as I was coming out of that dream, I was in a moment in my bed where I couldn't even move. I was just felt like I had this massive hug around me, right? It was this incredible hug. And then I got up in the morning and I was getting ready for work and I was reflecting on the dream. And I started thinking to myself, well, you know, like you just had dinner and like maybe you were kind of hallucinating. Maybe that was like sleep paralysis, you know, and don't get too woo-woo on it type of thing. And I'm putting my suit on and I reach into the pocket of my suit and there's a beer cap. It's a Sleeman's beer. And that's what Ryan drank all the time was a Sleeman's beer. And I looked in the mirror and I'm like, yeah, never doubt, my friend. I will never doubt again. We have Kevin Crow here today who's got a uh, really cool platform called Give a Mile, and I am not going to try to explain it. I'd rather him do that. So, Kevin, it's really good to see you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Of course. Yeah, we literally kind of connected on Hospice Nurse Penny and Hospice Nurse Julie's Instagram Live, and or uh, sorry, TikTok Live, and here we are. Yep. Very cool. Yeah. So yeah, why don't you uh, tell everyone that's listening what uh, what exactly Give a Mile is and explain what the platform is. Yeah, 100%. So what Give a Mile is, is we have people donate their unused travel miles and we give flights to people to fly to be with their loved one who's at end of life, right? So you give a thousand travel miles and I give a thousand travel miles and we get mothers, fathers, sisters, sons, daughters on a plane to have that last visit with that loved one who's at end of life. We have given now over 900 flights away. Uh, this is right now 100% volunteer-powered organization. We're operating in Canada, the U.S. And I can't tell you uh, what it means to those families that in one situation they think, I'm never going to see my dad or my mom again. They get connected to us and we're able to give them that flight so they can have a last, last visit. So it's been an incredible passion project. Uh, and we obviously want to do more and get more flights to people. How long have you been doing this? Doing it for about nine years. We just, I'm from Canada. I'm in Calgary, Alberta. Um, and we've been doing it for nine years. And we've do, been doing it for about two years in the U.S. We knew we needed to expand uh, the idea. We've seen the impact of what happened and how much it's meant to the families. And so we knew we had to come down to the U.S. And, you know, our goal, my crazy, big, hairy, audacious goal is to do a billion miles uh, for these types of flights. We've currently used about 35 million uh, donated travel miles so far. So we really want to scale and we really want to get to those people that could use this flight. It's maybe in some ways the most impactful gift you can make happen for somebody. And you think about all of us, you know, I heard a crazy stat that there might be, you know, over 100 billion travel miles sitting on the sidelines every year in North America. And yet, you know, these people that are in situations where they just can't afford that flight, we're able to give them that, that powerful gift and, and give them that last uh, visit and that last conversation. As one woman said to us, we, we flew her, her daughter and her granddaughter to her, and she said, you know, if somebody came in with a $2 million, $5 million right now, it's meaningless. I only have you know, a week or two to live. But the fact that I can see my daughter and granddaughter one more time, this is the lottery for me. This is the most important gift somebody can give. That's amazing. How does it work logistically in regards to both sides? I guess if you want to donate your miles and or, you know, cash them in. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're in need of a flight, right? So if you're a family and, and you need to get to that loved one, if you go to giveamile.org, you will see on our website a way to apply. You can also just email us at info at giveamile.org. What we have is basically a two-page application form. We need hospice or medical verification. So from a hospice worker, spiritual care provider, 
doctor, nurse, they just got to confirm the situation. We're, we're not looking for confidential details, just confirmation. Once we have that, we take that to our flight review team. They look at the application. If we have the resources available, we connect you to our, our booking agent who books your flight and sends you the flight and you're good to go. Now we understand time is of the essence in a lot of these situations. So we'll do that very, very quickly. If you let us know it's an emergency, sometimes we can do that as quick as getting you on a, a plane the next day. If you're looking to donate and we love your support, you can go to givemile.org and you'll see a donate button there. If in the US, United is our key partner, so you'll be able to donate United travel miles. And if you're in Canada, Air Canada is our partner, so you'll be able to uh, donate Air Canada miles. If you have other programs, right? So if you have like, you know, Delta or WestJet, you can pledge those miles. And then as we're working with those airlines, as they're able to transfer those miles for us, we'll reach out to you and make those flights happen. We also accept money. Uh, we're both a 501c and a charity in Canada and US. So we can give you a, a tax receipt for that. And money helps us in about 10 to 12% of our flights are cash just because there's not a major airline that flies from there, whether it's, you know, a northern uh, kind of remote region or it's maybe some smaller city or there's just not a, a plane that uh, connects at the right time. So we do use cash. So we'd love your support. 100% of those miles and money you donate to, to flights go to flights. Like I said, this is a passion project. It's for the community, by the community. It's uh, volunteer powered right now. And so we will use those miles to get those families connected. That's amazing. And what inspired all this? Like, where, where, does, where does this all come from? Yeah, there's an absolutely uh, crazy, compelling story behind this. And I believe, you know, the universe works in very mysterious ways. And I'll tell you a story of why I believe that so strongly. So the reason I started giving miles, I lost an amazing friend, Ryan, to brain cancer. And I was so destined to meet this guy. So when I started going to university and I, I started dating this woman in university my uh, second, third year, it was her first year at university. She was telling me about her boyfriend that she had just broken up with, right? Came to university, you know, heartbroken. And this ex-boyfriend of hers was Ryan, but I never met Ryan. I just heard lots about him. Um, and I, the more she told me about him, the more I'm like, ah, oh, man, I'm like, des like, I'd love to meet this guy. We'd be really good friends, right? So I never met him. Flash forward a few years from that. And my friend's hitchhiking across Canada. He gets dropped off at my house and he comes in. And he says, I just got this amazing ride. Uh, for the last few hours with this guy, Ryan, like you guys would be best friends. You like, you need to meet this guy, but never met him. So flash forward, you know, literally probably a, a decade later, I, and I work at a, a, a technology company and we we're a fast growing company. We we're about 50 people at the time. And we hired our first HR manager and it's right around Christmas. So I went in and introduced myself and I said, Oh, what are you doing for Christmas? And she said, Oh, I'm going back to my hometown. She mentioned her hometown. I said, Oh, I know people from that hometown. She said, like who? I mentioned this, uh, my ex-girlfriend, and her eyes got really big, and she's always, my husband is Ryan. <laughs> so <laughs> not only is his wife working at the same company as me, he ends up living just down the street from me. And we are both in the same place in life. We had you know, recently been married, both had young sons, our careers were going really well. And, and so we just super bonded and super connected. And, you know, like we'd sneak out of our house when our kids were asleep and like, you know, play like NHL, EA Sports and, you know, into the wee hours of the night and just, you know, have campfires and have drinks together and just became super, super connected. And then one day I was coming back from the mountains. I live right by the mountains and I go out in the mountains sometimes because you just can't get connect like nobody can call you and there's no internet. And I was kind of off the radar and it was the winter and I was, I was coming back. And I got to the edge of the city uh, where you get connection. And all of a sudden, you know, I just bang, 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 bang. I end up with like 30 voicemail messages. 
Um, and so I pulled over and I started listening to them and they're all saying, you know, Ryan's had a major seizure. He's in the emergency room. Um, you know, he had dealt with brain cancer in his early 20s and, and now it seemed to be roaring back and you need to go see him. And there was this major, major blizzard going on. And I live kind of at the opposite end of the city where the uh, hospital was. So I got home and my wife said, you know, the best thing to do is just wait, go see him in the morning because, you know, the roads are closed. It's not going to make any sense. You're going to probably get stuck and not make it there. So as soon as the snow stopped in the morning, like the first thing I'm out and I'm kind of following the snow plow down the hospital, I get to the hospital and I realize, oh man, like typical guy plan. I don't even know what room he's in. I don't even know where he is in the hospital, right? Like I forgot to get the details. So I go into the emergency section, you know, where they kind of have the curtains around the bed and I pull back the first curtain and there's Ryan in his bed. And uh, you can tell like his wife and son have just left him, literally just left him and he's by himself and he's having a very emotional moment. And uh, we had this very deep conversation and he said, Kev, like, I've got my wife and I've got my family and I've got my friends. I have to put a certain face on for them based on what's going to happen for me. And I just really want you to be there and be strong for me and have open conversations and, you know, just be able to share with you. Will you take that on? And I can tell you that scared the living hell out of me. I was like, oh man, like that's a lot. And I really, you know, was really reflecting on it in that moment. And and I said, yeah, of course I'm going to do that. And I can tell you that was the best decision I ever made. We spent an incredible year of life together. And he was just such a wise and open person. And I can tell you, there's nothing that gives you better perspective than spending time with someone who's at the same stage of life as you are that are running out of time, right? And he just, like, your priorities, what's important, what how life really works. I just really got connected into that. And you know, he just, he showed me so much through that journey. You know, he was the kind of guy that he said, you know, why wait for me to be dead to have a, a funeral, like, and have all these people come? Let's have a big party now. So he had, through this big party, we brought all his friends in and, and incredible storytelling. And even when he ended up in hospice and he, he was deteriorating, we still had poker night and we rolled kegs in and we hung out with him. And, you know, he just, he shared so much of that. And then, at the very end, you know, he had his son was four years old at the time this was going on. And, and I remember that the hospice nurses and doctors said to us, you know, we were like, what do we do with his son, Talon? You know, he's four years old. And they said, let, let, let Talon decide where he wants to be and how he wants to show up. But just do not speak in riddles or metaphors. Just be very blunt with him of, of what's happening. And, and I remember, you know, the last day of Ryan's life, we were up there. His family was up there. His wife, Tash, was up there. And but his son, Talon, was back home playing with his cousins, and, and Ryan was getting near the end. And sure enough, we got this phone call, and um, it's Talon. He wants to come up and see his dad. And so, you know, Tash looked at me and said, you know, what do you want to do? And I'm like, he should come up. And um, I'll never forget this, man. I was, like, talking to Ryan as he was in his bed and leant over his bed and felt this little hand grab my hand. And I looked down, and, and it was Talon. He has these huge, big blue eyes. And he said to me, he said, Kev, what's wrong with my dad? Because, you know, when you're in that stage, you have that labored breathing. And, and you know, I remember the doctor's advice, just speak as bluntly as you can. And I said, your, your dad's dying. Do you want to give him a last hug? And he said, yep. And I, I picked up Talon, put him in his dad's bed. He gave him his dad this big hug. And Tash had crawled in bed beside Ryan. And, and Ryan passed away a few hours later with his son in his arms and his wife beside him. And, and it was this heartbreaking, heart-shattering moment. So honored to be there for my friend to be able to provide that, but obviously just like 
heart in a thousand pieces. Um, but I saw the power of visit. I saw the power of bringing people together at the end of life and what it meant for us for closure and the conversations we had and it helped, how it helped us with grief. And the city I live in, Calgary, only one in four people are actually born here. Everybody moves here, myself included and Ryan included. We come from other parts. And, and so we saw all these people when we were in hospice that didn't have the chance to say goodbye. We're trying to do it on the phone or, you know, hey, it's okay. Dad understands we don't have the money for you to fly. And so when I heard that stat about all this travel miles that, you know, people are sitting on and, and you know, saving, I thought, well, we could all just come together and make these flights happen and give this incredible gift. And, and so that's where Giving Miles from. And, and, and to me, it's, it's a huge kind of honor and legacy for my friend Ryan uh, for all he taught me through that journey. That's so beautiful, man. I commend you for that. And I wonder by asking you, is, is this whole journey and, and, you know, running this platform, is that, do you see it as part of the grieving process in many ways or healing journey for you? Yeah, a- absolutely. Right. I, I think, you know, one is when you lose somebody you love, um, I think you want to keep their memory alive as much as you can. Right. And I think, I remember when Ryan passed away, you know, going out of the hospice and going into the world that day, I just wanted to scream at the world, like, stop. What are you doing? Like, why are you going to the grocery store? Like, why are you still going to the movies? Don't you understand what's happened here? Like, we've lost this great man and the world just keeps going on and it feels so, so cold. And, and, but that's what the world has to do, right? It has to go on and has to do its thing. And, and I also, you know, for his son looking at talent, I wanted to make sure that he understood the impact that his dad had and, and what it meant. And so to be able to do something that I feel is, is, you know, very powerful and very unique. Like there's nobody else in this space that we know that's doing this, right? Donating travel miles and getting flights out the door. That feels so Ryan to me, right? Because he was just such a unique and powerful guy. And then, you know, keeping that legacy alive has been a big part of it, but also working with the families, right? There's been over 900 families that we've connected with and we hear the stories and you, you get to sit with them and their, their journey and, and their pain and their healing and their opportunity to, to have that visit. And in that moment, one, I feel Ryan's presence, um, but I also feel this human connection that's beyond words, right? I'll give you an example. Like when I first started giving flights away, I'd call families and say, hey, I've got a flight for you. And there'd be this big moment of silence. And I'd get really anxious in that and be like, oh, we're totally legit. Like, check out the website, right? Like, you know, this is a legit thing. But when I talked to families, I realized it was nothing like that. It was the fact that in this moment, we were coming together um, and they didn't have words for it, right? Like, thank they say, I, I want to say thank you, but it's not enough to say thank you. You don't understand what this means to us. And so to have that human connection and, and something that goes beyond words. I remember we gave this, this flight away to this woman. She was in her mid-30s. She was going to see her family. It was going to be her last visit, right? She was strong enough to get on a plane. And a volunteer called her to let her know she had the flight. And she said to him, I cannot believe that perfect strangers, people that I don't know, never met, are willing to give me this powerful gift. She goes, you don't understand what that means for me and the belief in humanity. Somebody that only has so much time left in the world, like what that means for my heart. And so for me, kind of working through that and understanding, you know, things like compassion things like coming together in community, things like community. It's been so huge as I've worked through, you know, this process around Ryan's passing. Yeah, I've never heard anything like this. I mean, besides like donations, one thing, sure, but 
giving away your miles. I didn't even know that was even, I didn't even know airlines would even mm-hmm. allow you to do that, first of all. So what, yeah, what, do, you, what do you find yeah. being, actually, before I get to the question, I was going to ask you what some of the challenges you're facing in regards to like, of working through this. I want to go back to, to Ryan's son. Uh, yeah. This is a curiosity. Because I've, I've had people on the podcast and we've kind of discussed approaching the conversation of death with younger ch- for children and kids that may or may not be old enough. And I, I don't even know if that is the right way to say it because it, it's a part mm. of life. And I, I'm a believer of not really sugarcoating it and just kind of, I think they're going to learn one way or another. And, and I wonder how kids handle that young. So how did he, I know you gave that moment of when you told it to him, you said it so bluntly, he just... Has that showed up anytime years down the road or in that moment where you can understand how he handled that at a young age? Yeah. And then, you know, he's, he's about, he's 17 now. Right. So it, one of the things I want to make clear is when we lost Ryan, I didn't go a month later and start a charity, right. It took me years to kind of work through that process and and then actually launch, give a mile, you know, whatever it was, two, three years later. Um, yeah, it's interesting because as a four-year-old, right, we were trying to understand how we, to explain it to him. And, and I would use like, Lion King, right? Lion King, the Disney movie, the circle of life. And, you know, this is, this is kind of how life works. And, and I also remember speaking sometimes in metaphors that he didn't understand, right? Like I made the mistake of saying like, your, your dad's going to be in in us, in our hearts for the rest of our lives. And he's like, you're going to make me eat my dad, right? Like, it's like, (laughs) no, 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 no. That's totally, totally wrong. So you, you had to be really, really blunt with him. Right. And I know that they said like, do not use the metaphor of him going to sleep because, you know, Talon will be scared of going to sleep, right? Does he not wake up? But the thing about Talon is that he has really kind of taken that moment and kind of, I would say, really come out as a very compassionate, caring kid that reaches out to others, right? So he's really like, you know, he's connected to give them all. Always ask me how many flights we're going to do, that type of thing. But, you know, he's a person that is, you know, wanting to give back, is involved in charity. Um, I think understands at a deeper level the fact that life is this, you know, thing that is, um, it has an end to it, right? And so you should take advantage of it. I do feel like when he was four to maybe about eight, he would ask me a lot of questions about his dad, like, tell me a story, right? Like, I want to hear about my dad and, and, you know, do you have a funny story? Do you have a sad story? Like, tell me what what was he like? Why were you friends? You know, and those types of memories. And I do feel that, you know, as he's getting older, I think like trying to hold on to that memory of his dad, he was four, right. Is, is something that's hard, right. Cause you know, memories obviously fade and they become uh, a little, a little harder as you go through your own stages of life. But what he is, embrace, I think, from his dad is that his dad was this inspiring guy. His dad was this courageous guy. This, his dad was this guy that influenced a lot of people's li- lives. And he's like, I want to be like my dad in that way. The other thing that's really weird for us on our side is he looks like his dad. He has his dad's mannerisms. He even talks like his dad sometimes, right? So sometimes I will literally just almost be frozen looking at Talon because he's just such an Im- image of his dad. And he'll be like, what are you, what, what are you looking at me that way, right? And I'm like, man, you just remind me of your dad. So, you know, I, I, I really feel very positive around how good this kid is and the impact he's going to have on the world and the great head he has on his shoulders. But I, I would say, obviously, anyone that loses a parent, you know, it's a journey and, you know, it, it, he's integrating it. And I think, obviously, through different phases of life, I think it will show up different for him. 
Yeah, so I mean that's so interesting. I feel like every, you know every kid is going to handle it differently. Every every kid is going to get explained to it differently. So, and I was I just like hearing those stories. I'm curious to how you know you handled that and how he received it because I think it's it's important and that's a that's a that's a life changing event. And so how you're fed the information has a tremendous impact. And it seems like the way it was fed led to him being who he is today. And I'm sure many great ways. So thank you for that. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and I just, the one thing I'd add on that is just the network around him, like, you know, his mom and, and Ryan's friends and those people really rallied for him. They were, they've been there for him. And they've also, I would say, kept that image of his dad, of that inspiring, inspiring guy that's had a, a major impact there for him as kind of guidance for him to understand what his dad was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, it seems like the family, if you lead with love and that's, what's coming out. So it's a beautiful thing. And and the question I was going to ask before I asked about his son in regards to give a mile, how much of a challenge is it to get these miles donated? There's a couple things. One is giving something away for free is a challenge, right? So when we tell people, Hey, we're giving free flights away, uh, and we reach out to hospices and cancer centers and ICU units. That's who we connect with usually to kind of connect with families that need the flights. They're like, who are you? What are you doing? Why haven't <laughs> I heard about you? Right? Like, you're a Canadian. You're down in the U.S. You want to give flights away. And we always say, you know, once we do one flight with a hospice, we'll do 20 flights because, you know, they understand the process. And we've got a, an amazing volunteer team that responds quickly and, and takes care of those flights. So, you know, we have that challenge on that side. And so this podcast and other podcasts is huge. We just want to get the word out. The other thing is pretty much kind of what your reaction was. Like, I didn't know I could donate my travel miles. Like, I've never heard of this. Um, you know, how does it work? You know, how does, you know, how do I get my travel miles over there? So it is an education thing. And, and I always say, like, for all the good that's happened in Give a Mile, I'm a terrible marketer. Like, I want to get the word out. I want to make more of that happen. And, you know, the one thing I would put out to the universe while we're having this conversation is we would love to scale. So we would love to connect to a foundation that could help us with kind of operational costs and, and scale maybe some, some employees into this. And we'd love to obviously get more airlines on the platform. No reason we can't be doing, you know, five to 10,000 flights a year, just with the demand we already see. So if there's anybody out there that you know, as part of a foundation that helps charity scale and gives them some funding, we'd love to connect. You can, you know, email me at kevin.crocierow.givemile.org. We're also looking for experienced board members in the U.S. that can help us fundraise and open doors for fundraising. So reach out to me at the same email address because this idea has so much impact and needs to be out there. We are the only organization that I know that's doing this. So when we get connected to a, a family and we say, hey, we're unable to provide a flight, they always ask me, well, who do I call next? And unfortunately, uh, my reply is, I don't know. I don't think there's anybody else out there. So that is heartbreaking uh, to have to say no to a family and not be able to take care of them because obviously that's the moment in time. It's not like they can come back in six months. And so I would love to scale this up but need help. So we'll put that out in the universe and see if anybody comes in and jumps on board. There you go. Come on, dead talkers. Pull your shit together. Do you have any favorite stories about you know, I don't know how many flights you've had, but is there any, any stories that may want like a story that stands out of when you helped a family? Yeah, there's, there's some incredible stories that stick with you. And, you know, we, we do do international flights when we have the resources available. And I'll just tell this one story, but there's, there's hundreds we can go into. So I got connected to this woman. She's originally from the Philippines. She lives here in Calgary. She has stage four uh, cancer. They had stopped treatment. And she said, I need to get back to my parents' in the Philippines to tell them 
about the situation that I'm terminal. I want to have one last visit. The social worker called me and said, Kev, this woman, she's selling her furniture, trying to get a flight, right? Trying to get enough money together. Can you help her with a flight? And so we were able to get donors and we, we got the flight. And, and actually, I took it to her physically because she had sold her computer and uh, just for money for the flight. And I met with her and she gave this, this incredible hug and just held on to me. And she said, you don't know how important it is for me to go back and see my parents one more time. And she goes, you know, I'm going to fly to Manila, but my parents aren't actually in Manila. They're up in the mountains, right? So I got to take a train and go see them. And she goes, I don't know if I'm strong enough if I'll ever make it back to Canada, but I, I need to go see them. And so she, we gave her the plane ticket. She made it to see her family. She, she made it back to Canada. Unfortunately, she passed away a few weeks later. And the social worker reached out and said, Kev, do you want to um, come to uh, the funeral? And I don't normally do that, right? I've only done that a few times. Um, but it was just a, a moving moment I had with her. I said, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll come to the funeral. So they, she gave me the date and location. I went to the funeral and I went a little early. I'm, I'm sat in the pews, right? And I'm waiting there. And, and she was Filipino and everybody at the funeral was Filipino. So this gentleman kindly came up to me and he said, uh, are you at the right funeral? <laughs> I, said, I explained who I was. I said, oh, I'm, you know, I, I gave the flight. I represent Give a Mile. And his eyes just lit up and he goes, you have to meet the family. So he pulled me up front and I met the family and we all cried together and they just gave me these huge hugs and they told me what it meant to them and, and just like, just, wow, man, that was so powerful. And so then I went back and sat in my seat and they had brought other family members in via Skype for the funeral from the Philippines, from Manila and, and the, the location up in the, in the mountains. They didn't know I was in the, in the funeral home, right? But the family there said, it meant so much to have her back here with us and to have another visit and how we were able to talk with her and have closure. And they didn't know I was there. And then one of the family members said, the person I gave the flight is here, <laughs> right? So got, everyone turned around and just gave me a, a bunch of love. And, and I knew there's, there's been a few moments like that where I knew, yes, this is exactly what we need to be doing. We need to do, be, be doing more of this. This is the calling. Make this happen. Make more of this happen. And so those powerful moments where I think the universe kind of winks at you a little bit, right? It's never, you know, people always like, am I on the right path? Am I doing the right things? Like, does the sky open up and a beam of light hit you? No, but to me, those kind of synchronicities in the universe, right? The fact that I met Ryan, the fact that, you know, I kept hearing about him and bumping into him, the fact that I was in that funeral and, and the family mentioned that, to me, those were signs that, we need to do this and we need to do more of this, you know? Yeah, it's brilliant. This is probably another weird question, but do you, yeah, those, fa we? those families, have you had multiple families come back and, and need the same service? We try to service as many families as we can. So we usually say, if you've already applied for a flight, right, we're, we're, we're not going to approve another flight that you're, you're coming for. Now saying that, what we've seen, and we try to do our best to look at a family situation is we'll have like a brother apply to come see a father and then all of a sudden, you know, the sister will hear about the program and, and they'll apply as well. So, you know, we try to, to do as much of that as we can. And obviously there's a situation like two grandparents, right? Or, you know, two parents. And, and so we, we, we don't have a rule where we say, you know, we'll only give you one flight or we'll only give you two flights. But we do try to respond to the one family situation and then obviously help as many families beyond that as well. Look at, you know, what the family needs flight-wise, you know. And how many flights, because you said you have a, a lot of demand right now. Yeah. And yeah. how, and so are you, is there a percentage that you're actually able to accommodate? Like you have to, like, I, I know you said when someone asked you, tell them you just can't do it, but I feel like that's probably a very difficult part of the job is tell people you can't do it. Obviously yeah. for, for reasons out of your control in, in many ways. 
So is there a, a, a percentage that people are applying to manage expectations at this point of where you guys are at? Yeah, it kind of goes ups and downs based on how much donations are coming in and obviously the demand. We always do every year we try to do 50 flights at Christmas or more. Uh, you know, oh, wow. we do flights all year round, but Christmas is always a big, you know, fundraising time and a big focus on getting flights out. And so right now there's been days where we get, you know, 12, 15 applicants a day. And we probably are able to fulfill, you know, 25 to 40% of that. Now, that's all based on, you know, how far they're traveling, how many family members, that type of thing. We obviously want to fulfill 100% of that. So we need donors' help. Obviously, we talked about foundations maybe getting behind us. Very impactful. Um, But please do not hesitate to apply uh, because you never know. We have donations coming constantly. And, and let's get in a conversation about it and see if we can help you for sure. The application process is very straightforward. It doesn't take a lot of time. We try to keep it as easy as possible. So I do not want families to hesitate to reach out, you know. Yeah, this is beautiful. It's, it's you know, I've done 80, 80 some odd episodes on Dead Talks. And I, it, it's honestly not even... It's wild to me that was has this hasn't come up even conversationally. The fact mm. that some families can't even see the person, you, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's always like an, a weird assumption, it's a silly assumption that they're always you know, local when that's just not the case. I just yeah. haven't, I haven't, I haven't heard of this. This is such an amazing program, so I commend you for for doing something like this. And I hope you know a, a couple listeners in here are willing to donate whatever miles that you have, if you have any, or get the word out. Because this is, I'm sure there's going to be someone listening that's experienced this themselves and kind of wish they even knew, either knew of your program or maybe it yeah. wasn't around then. So, you know, this is, this is some real shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's and pretty it's, you know, one of the most frustrating things about the program I always tell people is I will talk to people and they said, if I only knew it about six months ago, if I had heard about this four months ago, you know, we would have been able to fly to see dad or our brother. So absolutely, if, you, if you're not able to donate miles or if you, you can't donate money, by all means, just share the story. Get, let's get the story out there because we need more people to hear about it, uh, get connected. As we said, we're, as far as I know, we're the only charity in this space that is doing this. Yeah, this is amazing. I want to kind of give you, I know you just, I hope you feel comfortable with everything you said, but I would love to give yeah. you, you know, give you a little bit more of the floor right now in case there's anything that you want to add or or mention that you haven't mentioned already or share before we, you know, plug the, plug give a mile, the contact information. Yeah. Before we do apply, I'll tell you the kind of the ending of the Ryan story about synchronicity in the Please. universe, because it's uh, to me, one of the incredible stories. So when Ryan passed away, um, you know, a lot of friends and family were coming to me and saying, oh, you know, Ryan visited me in my dream. And I saw Ryan, uh, has he visited you? And I was like, no, you know, haven't seen him. Um, And so a few months later, you know, still hadn't, Ryan hadn't come visit me in my dream, you know, showing up and I was getting a little mad at him. I'm like, dude, like we were like brothers and I helped you and all this kind of stuff. So I traveled with work and I was on the road and I was in a hotel and you know, came back from my my job that day and was just exhausted and kind of ate my dinner and fell asleep like super early, right? Like 7.30 at night or whatever. And had this most incredible dream. Uh, and, you know, I won't go into the whole dream story, but I ended up in this room with this big long table and there was this gentleman at the very end of it with this big beard, right? You could just tell he was like a, a very like uh, mystical kind of um, guru type guy. And, you know, he sat there and I said, just kind of t- started talking to him. He said, do you want to, do you want to see him? And I was like, yeah, I want to see him. And the door opened and everything went bright, bright, bright white. The, the guy was all of a sudden in pure white clothes, big white beard. 
and Ryan came in and we had this most incredible conversation. You know, I just like, you know, did I take care of you? Did we do the right thing? Is everything okay? And, you know, we just had this massive connection. He, he assured me everything was okay. And then Ryan was known for these big hugs. Like he was a guy that kind of bear hugged you, right? And just like gave you a real hug. And so as I was coming out of that dream, I was in a moment in my bed where I couldn't even move. I was just felt like I had this massive hug around me, right? It was this incredible hug. And then woke up and I wrote the dream down, like just wrote it down because I didn't want to forget it. It was so powerful. And then fell back to sleep, right? And then I got up in the morning and I was getting ready for work and I was reflecting on the dream. And I said, started thinking to myself, well, you know, like you just had dinner and maybe like maybe you were kind of hallucinating. Maybe that was like sleep paralysis, you know, and you know, don't get too woo-woo on it type of thing. And I'm putting my suit on and I reach into the pocket of my suit and there's a beer cap. It's a Sleeman's beer. And that's what Ryan drank all the time was a Sleeman's beer. And I looked in the mirror and I'm like, yeah, never doubt, my friend. I will never doubt again. So I feel his presence is with me. And obviously, whatever you believe and, and your, you know, your thoughts on that, I'm not here to change your thoughts on that. But I just say I took massive comfort uh, in the fact of how that showed up to me. Uh, how that circle with my friend has been completed, how we still do work in his name. Um, uh, it's been incredibly powerful work. Um, and we want to connect to lots more families. Keep this going. Damn, dude, that's fucking awesome. And also, I feel like that's the longest I've gone on this podcast without cursing, I just realized. But <laughs> I, I may have said something earlier. But, you know, I a couple of things before, uh, you know, I, I plugged your information so people could find it, even though I know you gave a little bit. Is I, I personally, be, I believe in those things. And I think even if someone's, you don't, whatever people's beliefs are, it's what you give yeah. meaning to it. And if it gives you peace at the end of the day, you know, that's that's real enough to me. And then yeah. the, and the dream thing for, for me uh, to get a little personal, I've always, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a, one of my favorite Pearl Jam songs talks about like trying to see someone like in their, in your dreams. And so I've always kind of been that type of person that is, hoping to see my dad in my dreams. Like, I feel like I try, maybe I force it sometimes and I've had these dreams, but every dream that I've had with my dad is bizarre. I've yet to, it's, I, after all these years, I have a hard time remembering one where it was actually my dad, where it felt like my dad. Every dream that I've had with my dad, he's like someone else. He feels like someone else. He looks like someone else. And it doesn't feel, it feels like someone has taken over my dad's body. And it's like, it's so it's so bizarre to me. So like, I I I love the fact that you had a comforting dream because I fuck, I want one, <laughs> and I, maybe I'm yeah, just for, maybe I'm yeah. just for, I'm forgetting yeah. some. But the idea of uh, the dreams I've had they've been so weird that I've like it hasn't felt like my dad. It's very bizarre. Can I ask yeah. you a question? Have you ever felt his presence? Have you ever felt kind of somebody looking over you or like in in real life? Yeah, like in real life, like just sometimes you go through life and sometimes. It, one of the things about, I'll just give you an example, like Ryan passed away on April 4th at 4 a.m. So 444 is kind of like a, mm -hmm. one of those things that I take as a, a sign. And there'll be times where I'll wake up exactly at 444, right, uh, right, in the morning. When Ryan passed away, we took all the kids to Disney World, like my wife and his widow, and we took the kids there. And for some reason in our hotel room, the alarm clock was set for 444 in the morning, the first morning we were there, right? Like, it's just like, I now I understand people that, 
maybe don't believe in these things are like, well, you're, you're seeing patterns, right? You're forcing to see patterns. But to me, it just, it's always felt like there's some synchronicity in the universe, you know? Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. There was one, the, only, well, the one thing I can think of, and once again, like, like you're saying, uh, of course, these things could be easily dismissed if you, if you want to look at it like that. Um, yeah. I remember, I remember one time I was walking down the street. I feel like I shared it on my Facebook post years ago. I have to look back, but I was walking down the street and I don't, I don't know if I was bothered by something or I was literally thinking about my dad. I'm pretty sure I was just walking kind of just mm. like, out of zone and thinking about my dad and I was kind of getting sad. And the next thing you know, I tripped and like, I, I almost mm. ate shit. And for me, like the <laughs> first, the, my first thought was, yeah. I feel like my, my dad wanted me to trip and just like wake the fuck up and, and just lighten the mood a little bit. So it's those little moments that I give, you, you can personally give meaning to it. Maybe yeah. I was just dozing off and looking up and just tripped. I don't know. But to me, that was the instantaneous meaning I got from it. So I feel, I feel what you're saying. And those are really fun moments to me, you know? Yeah. I just like, there, I think there is magic to the universe and everybody obviously has their, their belief systems around that. But, you know, one of the things I would say working with 905 families so far is that so many times we just see these incredible stories of the perfect timing of getting people to their loved one. Or, you know, there's a story we just did. We flew three daughters to their dad and they showed up. They actually, his favorite meal was McDonald's. So they brought McDonald's. They had this incredible meal. And he literally passed away two hours later, right? And the um, hospice nurse was like, I feel like he was waiting for them, you know? I, if, you ha- if we have time, I'll just tell another story around that Please. kind of synchronicity. You know, we had this one woman reach out to us. She had been put up for adoption when she was three years old. And she started looking for her birth mom when she was in her 30s. And um, when she found her birth mom, her birth mom was actually in a hospice on her, on her deathbed. And she reached out. She couldn't afford a flight. So she was like, can you get me a flight? And, and we were able to provide that. And she showed up and they had this incredible visit. You know, I was talking to the hospice nurses. They just said before that, her mom was just having this like restless death, right? Was just not at peace. And her daughter showed up, hadn't seen her since she was, you know, three years old. And they had this incredible visit full of love and healing and, and just repairing and they had this, you know, amazing visit. And when her daughter left, I think a day or two later, she passed away. And, and the nurses said, you could just feel that the room was full of peace. And so you just feel that to me, these, these things that come together sometimes, and it just, it's, to me, it's kind of beyond words, kind of how that falls into place. Like we're on this space rock floating around this ball of fire, right? All these choices that we have in life. And yet those moments come to pass for us, uh, to me, it's just one of those hard things to put into words. Yeah, I mean, it's, sometimes you can't. Sometimes that's why we have feelings, and sometimes things just feel the way they feel, and that's enough of an explanation sometimes, I think. Yeah, that's the power of art, right? It's, I think especially when you go through these things in life, like you know, writing and poetry and music and great songs, like they're the thing that come into the space because you know, our analytical brains cannot just not explain this or give you the right context of kind of those feelings or those emotions. And hence the power, why those things are so powerful. And people, I think, gravitate to, to them when they're in these times of life. Yeah. I mean, that's, we're, we're human. We're emotional meat bags. So, you know, that comes to the territory. <laughs> but uh, Kevin, I want to yeah. thank you. I want to thank you for, for being on here. It's really cool that we made this happen so quickly. And, uh, yeah, yeah I, if I, I'm going to pl- plug all the information, you know, down below for anyone listening in the description, however you're listening or watching, but if you want to verbalize how people can find you, uh, let's do that one more time before we get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Please go to givemile.org If you need a flight or you're able to donate uh, travel miles or money, if you're a foundation that helps charity scale, please reach out to us at info at give 
You can follow us on Instagram at, at GiveAMile, at Twitter at GiveAMile, and you can follow myself on TikTok at Kevin Stewart, S-T-U-A-R-T, Crow, C-R-O-W-E. We'd love to connect and keep this going. There we go. And if you're driving, you can take any of that down. Just go to the description and uh, handle that shit. Uh, like you said, if anyone, if you guys you know, resonated with the story, you think you got some miles to give up, consider it and, and try to push this program forward because I think you're doing a really cool, really cool job. So thank you again. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Dead Talks. And uh, we'll see you next time. Appreciate you guys. Thanks.